podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Some folks don't stop till they find the truth. June's Journey is a Roaring Twenties murder mystery hidden object game. Find your first clue by downloading June's Journey today. Available on Android or iOS devices and on PC through Facebook games. Celtic State of Minds on this Friday afternoon. The storms are affecting Axom's Wi-Fi, so I'm jumping in uh, for Laura. But we have a special Friday guest in Jared. Jared, welcome back to the show. Celtic fans will be well familiar with yourself on your own pod. Tell us where we can listen to you on a regular basis. Yeah, so it's uh, Celtic Down Under, podcast available on all podcast apps. We've started going live every Wednesday morning, your time. Um, on our YouTube channel. So again, some good traction. It's growing and that's the main thing. It's good to, uh, I think, have an engine. The dugout's been a big factor in helping us grow this year as well. So yeah, get a fair play. Open the comments, everyone. And yeah, happy days. Thanks for having us on again, Paul. Absolutely. Get subscribing, get that notification bell um, clicked as well. But as you were saying there, we've had a massive influx of viewers from Australia. Our um, analytics show that 10% now of our viewers are from Australia. So thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We have certainly captured the imagination since Ange has come in. But last night, Tony Haggerty, Jim Orr, wasn't a vintage Ange Postacoglu Celtic performance. We're going to be talking all about that. But we'll also go back to Jared and uh, compare where we were when Jared started coming in and giving us uh, some of the Australian takes on Ange to where we are now. I watched the game. I've got to that point. I'm going to start with yourself, Jim Ward, because I think you used to say this to me. You would never do the post-match because you're full of emotion as a Celtic fan. And often you can come on and you're full of despondency and a bit of disappointment, and that can come across in your post-match. I think after about a year and a half, I've got to that point where I can temper that. And last night, yeah, I'm disappointed. I never want to get beat, especially not at home. Um, however, I'm not, you know, I'm not completely distraught this morning after that performance. We need to talk about what went wrong, though. What was your thoughts last night, Jim? You were at the game, I believe. Yes, I, I never got a cold, I think, after sitting in that freezing cold. Uh, I don't really care, to be honest, about this conference league. It's a Mickey Mouse league, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, I get this reputation as this, this old negative guy that comes on this podcast. And I don't try to be negative. I think I just try to be balanced about the whole thing. And things like the Champions League format do my head in these days. And I'm not sure we should go back to the old days where you could win the European Cup after playing nine games. But this team's dropping into this league and then dropping into that league. I think it's pretty farcical now, basically. And I think until we get two guaranteed places in Europe for the Scottish teams, every season is going to be like this. 
because there's this 35, 40 million bounty at the end of the season. And the only thing that matters is the league, basically. And I'd much rather we found out some things last night rather than Easter Road, say, a week on Sunday. And I find the reaction on social media, just the usual knee-jerk, over-the-top nonsense, people saying that's a reality check. And you think, well, what's the reality check? <laughs> and who's had the reality check? You know, is it is it the managers had the reality check? Are the players, are the fans, are the ball boys? Who's actually had this reality check? You know, Don't don't bring the ball boys into it, Jim. No, every week the ball boys are in it. <laughs> and I just think that, that basically, uh, last night was a combination of a few things. I think... Uh, some of the players weren't on last night, and and that happens from time to time. They're not they're not, they're not robots. Maybe maybe Angie got the team wrong. I think the kind of pairing of O'Reilly and Rogic maybe that was a mistake. And they were a good team. Technically, they were a pretty good team. And uh, I think watching the game, and I, I thought you know I thought this year Hart's done really well. Carter Vickers has done really. Staffelt has done really well. I think he was he was my man the match last night. Staffelt, but looking at their team. I'm thinking, Angie's thinking, those are the guys we need. You know, because when, when they played out from the back, it was fast and it was direct and they found yeah. players and all of a sudden they're on the front foot. Whereas we take lots of passes to kind of get to that stage. And what was interesting last night, though disappointing, was the reaction of the fans, basically. You know, people were booing after the first goal. People were leaving after their second goal. They were getting booed off the park at full time. Unacceptable. You know, you have to support the team, this is a transitional season, they're all doing their best, it doesn't help when they start to get booed, that was disappointing and what I noticed actually was, certainly around me, you know, it wasn't the usual kind of season ticket holders that were there, so if people come along thinking maybe, and one of the things that was mentioned last season was this uh, the fact that we were entitled you know, and I had a lot of entitled fans there last night, you know booing and shouting and stuff like that, and we need, we need to lose that, uh, I'm not bothered about, as I said, I'm not bothered about this conference league, I don't think we're ever going to win it and I think after we won the Glasgow Derby, there was a lot of hysteria about, you know, we're going to win this thing. It's the 25th of May. This blah, 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 blah. There's a lot of really good teams in this. This is the first season for Ange. We're kind of getting together. I didn't think we're ever going to win it. It is a real Mickey Mouse competition as far as I'm concerned. You know, I just, as I said at the start, I don't like the way things are going in the Champions League. You know, certain countries can't even get teams in the Champions Cup and other teams have multiple teams in it. And I was looking at, watch the first half of the, of the the Dortmund game last night, and Dortmund's a case in point. You know, third in the Bundesliga last year, and at the Champions League, third in the Champions League section, drop in to the Europa League, halfway through the Europa League, where teams are there in merit, farcical. And mm. I'd much rather be concentrating the league. That's us going to the Arctic Circle next next Thursday night. Uh, chance of picking up injuries, chance of picking up COVID. Uh, just, there's only one game in town, and that's the league. And uh, hopefully we go there on Sunday and put on a good performance against Dundee and, and, and take things from there. But I'm really not fussed about last night, and I know that's, you know, I think maybe that's the opinions of some Celtic fans, but not all Celtic fans, because you get the usual kind of, well, we should be good in Europe, we should be good in Europe. And yeah, we should be, but this season's a transition. Just let the big man go on with his job. You know the thing, Jim. I know for a fact that what you're saying this this afternoon isn't knee jerk because you you've been speaking about European football um, in those tones over the last we well last season. You were saying right, we need to concentrate and uh, winning the league ten in a row. This season is a transition season. We need to win the league. So I know that's not knee jerk. What I'm going to throw to yourself first of all, Tony, is uh, Jim's comments around the Conference League being a Mickey Mouse competition. I've seen both sets of uh, arguments on this on social media. Let me know what your thoughts are in the comments field. Obviously, Ange did speak about 
doing something in Europe. He believes when he's a manager of Australia that he can win the World Cup. He believes when he's a manager of Celtic, he can win the European uh, tournament that he's in. What's your view on this Conference League and some of the, the bad rep it seems to be getting? First and foremost, I apologise for my hat because I was out with the dogs. It's a very nice hat. And my hair's in the same place as the Celtic, the same state as the Celtic team were in last night, so against the hat. Uh, listen, the Europa Conference League, Jim's old enough to remember when there was three European tournaments, you know, so they've just revamped it and made it three European tournaments or three European trophies again. Pres- I think I think Tony just brought in. I think in the in the old days you got you got in to those tournaments on merit. Yeah, yeah, I get that. This um, isn't merit. No, I know that. Sorry, um, on you go. Sorry. And I was getting to that. It's not. Oh, really? Okay, sorry. And I sorry. The, and Maybe I the ball boys. Fight, fight, fight. I, know, I get what you're saying about that. I, I completely agree. I, I think. I mean, they're never going to return to the kind of round robin days, but. You know, because all the, the, the they were scared of the big teams getting put out, that everything's just slanted towards the bigger teams. Mm-hmm. But I agree that I think once you're out of Europe, you should be out. I don't yeah. think you should be dropping into other tournaments, and and that's the farcical nature of it. But we're still being presented with three tournaments, and it's still one of three European trophies up for grabs, and there's still some prestige attached to all the tournaments. Obviously, the biggest one being the Champions League. And Ange was taking it seriously because he, he did. He more or less, without seeing it, was saying, we're, we're in it to win it. Or we're going to be, you know. But he came up against a team last night that played the way we did against teams in Scotland. Mm-hmm. They were just far better at it than Celtic last night, as Jim alluded to there. It was slick. When they got the ball, they moved it around slick. And when they got forward and they got into the areas where they could hurt you, they hurted you. You know, so they... You you cannot legislate for coming up against it. They've been building that for the best part of two or three years. You know, everyone said oh, they beat Roma. It was a, a you know a, a weakened Roma team. They still beat Roma six one. Then went to Olympic Stadium and Roma drew two each. But they've been working on this system for two and a bit years, three years. As Jim says, this is the transition. See, this is the system that Ange wants to get. That was kind of a prototype of what Celtic want to play like both in Europe and at home. And we've seen it in flashes and fits and starts this season. When it's good, it's good. But when it doesn't work, you know, these things can happen. I'm like Jim. You know, if you're talking about priorities, the Europa Conference was last in the priorities. The league Mm -hmm. isn't the all and end all this season. And Ange will be looking at some of those players and thinking, you know what his thoughts are? Can he do a job for my team? People keep flat, they were flagging up the, the left back for Bodo Glimp last night. So if that's the case and he's been watching him, maybe maybe he could. But uh, you know, you I think it's a European competition. Wanted to do well, took a knock in the chin, you move on, as Jim would say. You just it's all about reaction on Sunday now. And then we go to the Arctic Circle and see if we can make a fist of it. Mm. But that there's one competition that Celtic desperately want to win this season. It's not the Europa Conference League. It's the Scottish Premiership title. And to still be in with a... And to be top of the table by a point, if you'd have said that to people in the middle, you know, in June last year, if Jared had come on and said, by the way, you'll be top of the table in February by a point, you'd have looked at him last June and said, you're bonkers. You know, but he was... (laughs) He was signposting it, wasn't he? Yeah. First first season transition, but you'll see... 
what Angie's made of, second season, it'll all come together. Mm-hmm. We are well ahead of schedule. So there's no reason for, for doom and gloom. And I, I agree with Jim. Some of the some of the knee-jerk reactions been off the charts. You know, certain players have been getting it tight. That that kind of happens. You know, just accept that a team came to Celtic Park last night, played us at our own game, and disorientated us a wee bit because we were like, this wasn't meant to happen. And mm. Ange, hindsight's a great thing. You turn around and say he, he got it wrong with O'Reilly and Rogic. But that's what we're here to do. We're, we're dissecting where and how and why it went wrong. Did he play the wrong team? Well, evidently, because they lost. Yeah. But it's, it's easy to turn and say, this is this is why and all oh, this and that. But, you know, in the grand scheme of things, you know, people getting, I don't see people getting carried away about quadruples and stuff, but it was a conversation that was being had because Celtic were still involved in all of these tournaments. So... We might not be involved in the tournament come next week. If that's a good thing or a bad thing, we'll find out in May. But the one tournament that matters to Celtic most this season is the league because of the 35, 40 million bounty at the end of it. You know, the top of the table with 12 games to go. Now, all, all we look to now is our reaction on Sunday against Dundee from those players who maybe let themselves down last night more than anything else. Uh, some of the top performers didn't turn up. Mm. It was a bad night at the office. It was. And I want to ask your view on this, Jared, because talking about overreaction online, I completely get it. It's just, you know, you're emotional. We've been cuffed. Uh, we've built our hopes up. And I always remember being in the supporters bus from Fife, one of them, because uh, I, I used to jump from bus to bus. And uh, there was this old guy, and I won't, I won't name him, but I always remember in the 90s, early 90s, <clears throat> and he always used to say, Paul McStay can't shoot for toffee. And he would give McStay a hard time. Now, when you look back on McStay now, th- this is absolute maestro of a midfielder. Um, and I, th- I guess it's the same with the Lions. You know, we weren't at the games because we're too young. Uh, but there would have been games where Jinky would have been getting it stinking and big Billy McNeil would have been getting a hard time. But that's all lost to the depth of time. Uh, Nowadays, social media, the thought process goes into your fingertips and it's out there forever. And people get a proper slagging after a defeat, like last night. I made the point this morning, Jared, yeah, Taylor was getting a hard time. I don't know if he is good enough for the level um, beyond domestic football. I really don't. I've got my doubts. I'm not going to give him a, a proper tanking today because I did feel that your big players, the ones that you expected to be creative last night, um, had bad, had poor games by their own standards. So we're talking uh, Tommy Rogic, we're talking um, also Jota, Abada, uh, and to a lesser degree O'Reilly, who I think had a first a good first half and then tapered off in the second half. Um, what was your instant take last night? Were you kind of thinking, all right, it is a reality check, as some have said, or did you think to yourself, you know, this is where we are and we knew we were there uh, going into this game? It's a strange one because I can see both sides of the argument as you're saying, Paul. Like, for me, I knew as soon as the game happened, I'm like, okay, stay off Facebook, stay off the groups on there, stay off Twitter because it's a bit of a cesspit after a loss. It's like just stay off that for a few hours, let people vent, then worry about it. But I think the easiest summary for me is the Green Brigade, they did a, a banner a few seasons ago. It's not getting knocked down. That matters it's getting back up, and that's what we've got to do after this result. Jim and Tony have touched on most of the other points I wanted to say, but it's not ideal. But, yeah, we had too many players that just didn't perform. 
and that was the main issue. It's not much, as you just said, Rogic and O'Reilly. Maybe it's like playing Rogic and Turnbull together. They don't seem to play well together. But I'd rather learn that in this game that mm. doesn't affect the league than learn this on Sunday against uh, Dundee. So it's not the end of the world, but the positive is away goals don't count if people are still keen on this comp. And we can get the Arctic Circle CSC go and get everyone over there and get up and about and hopefully, you know, pick up a few goals over there and see what happens. But at the end of the day, the league's the main thing. So I wasn't too upset about it. But at the same time, I'm like... Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. Thankfully, it was only a 6 a.m. wake up for me instead of one of the other guys in our pod, Sean, who's over in Perth. It was up at 3 a.m. for that. No thanks for 3 a.m. So... um, (laughs) Yeah. Uh, honestly, I love I love uh, hearing the stories of people all over the world and what they do and the lengths they go to to watch to watch Celtic. And by the way, talking about next week's game, I know uh, Natasha is certainly going to the game. I'm not sure who else from the Axom team will be there, but Natasha will certainly be there uh, representing Axom. Jared, before I go back to Jim, what's your thoughts on the, the setup in Europe at the moment? I mean, I, I, I totally get what Jim's saying, whereby you've been knocked out of two European competitions, yet they're still in Europe. And I think that takes the gravitas away from any tournament. Um, already you're calling it the Conference League, but so you're kind of saying, you know, you're in the conference, you know. Um, would, would there ever be, do you think, any kind of view of... Uh, you know, a three-tiered system that works both ways with a playoff system at the end and, and three trophies um, at the end of that. Because at the moment, there does seem to be a, a lessening of the prestige. You know, Europa League is your second-tier conference league. Is, as Jim says, he's called it a Mickey Mouse Cup. I've seen a lot of people referring to it as that. Listen, I wanted to win last night and I would have loved to have been in the final on the 25th of May as well. But there does seem to be an attitude to this third tier rather than it being... What was the old tournaments, Tony? The European Cup Winners' Cup, the UEFA Cup, which I think used to be the Fierce Cup, and the European Cup, am I right? Is that the three, the three European tournaments? Cup, European Cup, Cup Winners' Cup, and the UEFA Cup. The UEFA Cup. So what, what's your view on it? Is, has the prestige been removed from this third-tier European tournament? I think it's a joke now. Like The way the structure is, isn't how it should be. Like When I was younger, watching it growing up from over here, I loved how the Champions League was the champions of every league. You had Cup Winners' Cup was the guys who won, whether it's the Scottish Cup or the FA Cup or whatever. And then you had, what was it? What was the other one? The UEFA Cup, which was, however that was qualified, I never quite understood it. And I didn't really pay too much attention to that except for when the, the run to Seville. But it's, um, yeah, like for me, I think it's kind of silly. Like, okay, if we qualify for the Champions League and we're going through the qualifiers and we don't make that and we drop out, okay, fine. There's one drop-off in qualifier stage like we came in. But the fact that we dropped two stages all the way down now into the Conference League, I just, I don't know. I think it's it's good to get European football for the low, the small leagues. I can understand the reason because those big five leagues are dominating all the positions. They've got all the money. I understand the reason for it. It's more, you know 
give everyone a chance sort of thing. But I don't I don't agree with it. Like if we were going for Champions League qualifiers missed out, the lowest we should be able to play is Europa League. We shouldn't be looking in the conference league. I I don't know. I just don't don't really agree with it. I think you should be in some comp and then ideally Champions League is the actual champions. Mm. Cup winners cup I, is yeah, yeah. Is that. I'd rather go back to that. Yeah. 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 No, yeah. I think the way forward thought this for years is actually a European league that runs along the same time as the Scottish League. So we end up in Division whatever four or five or something, and we try and promotion in Division four. And then the top league then will be your PSGs and your Man Cities and all these kind of guys. And then we end up playing at our level. Because I think the way the Champions League is formatted is now we're never going to win that. I think some sort of league system that we can play against. Mm. Teams that we played last night, maybe teams in Portugal and, and all that. And if we manage to get through that system, then maybe eventually we get into that top league at some point in time. Because the way... The Champions League and is is just now all we want to do is be there for the money. That's it. We're never going to win it. Uh, and that's the thing about you know without going off too much of a tangent. And we talk about you know us having the best fans in the world. It's, it's easy to be the best fans in the world when you're winning. It's when you're not winning that's when it becomes difficult. And if you're a fan of a Motherwell or Dundee United, the best you can hope for is like third or maybe fourth in the league. That's how you start a season. And that's how Celtic fans I think feel towards the Champions League. We're never going to win it. You know, at best we may actually get in it. You know. And getting back to the, the old days where you know Celtic won a European Cup playing nine games, it takes you eight games now sometimes to actually get into the Champions League. Yeah. It's yeah. farcical. whole thing's farcical. It needs a, a major weave. And then last year, all these uh, super teams wanted to have a super league. Uh, I think, unfortunately, we're, we're in, the, in the kind of middle ground of this, I think, and that we're a big team and a small league, but we're never going to be a super team unless we actually were to join the, the EPL. So I think it's always difficult for us. But I think we, I think in Europe, we get a wee taste of what it must be like if you're following a Motherwell or a Dundee unit, you're never going to win this, so you don't like it. So unless you actually revamp the thing. But uh, as Jared says, I mean, I, I think the whole thing's farcical uh, just now. And it's all about getting the money. And uh, and I know uh, major rivals had a good result last night, but maybe results like that may up the coefficient to the point that we end up getting two places in the Champions League. Because as I said at the start, well, there's only one place up for grabs. Every single season is going to be like us. Mm. There's this 30, 40 million pound bounty. And there's a double-edged sword, you know, because if we don't get it, they get it and vice versa. You know, so, oh, that's the future. That, that the future is bright. Uh, Tony? <clears throat> it's an, an aberration of a competition anyway. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's an utter, yeah. utter aberration because it was yeah. de- designed to make sure that Cinderella stories never happened again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. towards the big teams with all the big money, and yeah. don't care less about the wee guys. Just you'll box never, office, nah, or a Nottingham Forest or an Aston Villa, when again or a PSV, yeah. you know when they when they were a smaller club, you know it's just not going to happen again because you know why they don't want it, which is why they revamped it and made it a league system so that when you did lose a game, you weren't knocked out. Yeah. And then they would keep you in because they wanted mm. to see Milan's, the Barcelona's, the Man City's, the Man U's. You could pick the name of the Champions League winner every year. Yeah. Or unless. Oh, right, Tony. Yeah. I mean, I, I absolutely love football. love football for over 50 yeah. years, but I hate what it's become. I, I, really I don't watch the Champions League anymore. Yeah, I don't watch the Champions League. As I've said before, you may as well just call all the teams in the Champions League Moneyball 1, Money yeah. Team 1, Money Team 2, Rich yeah. Club 1, Rich Club 2. And then say, well, Rich Club Three's it's their turn this year because that's yeah. just going to win it. It's the mm. same, it's the same teams, you know. When Jim and I and Jared and yourself, Paul, growing up, well, that was the beauty of watching 
the Champions League, the European Cup, as it was known. And it's as far removed from the spirit of that competition as you've ever seen it. The guys and the, the men in the grey suits and all that, the slickers, they've ruined it. They've ruined European football. Mm. They just want the big guys. They want their, you know, try to tell me that Nottingham Forest, Aston Villa, Celtic, you know, winning this massive trophy wasn't it brilliant for sure. I mean, it was it's famous the world over. Absolutely. Like Belgrade, when they won it, was crazy. Yeah, like, you know, so... I say, uh, those sort of clubs, like, they're the last they're the last of that dying breed that we, mm. we're part of at the moment. And we're not the money from the money leagues, so it's, well, here's an extra league for you. Shut up and go play there. You're not wanted in the Champions find, League. Find your level. That's what they're saying. They're saying find your level, whether it be Europa League or the Europa Conference. They're no interested, but then they think to themselves, you know, they've got a 60,000 all-seater stadium. You know, they've got great support. You know, they, they, they add something. Yes. You know, but they have to wade through the swamp of qualifiers, even if they win the, even if they win their own domestic league. It's a, it's a total nonsense. But it's mm. been slanted against Celtic and Rangers ever since they revamped it and, and will continue to do so because genuinely they're no interested, which is what Jim touched upon there, which was the, the whole premise of the... I don't know, was it the European Super League? Was that what it was called? Or mm. Elite clubs? Yeah. You know, Tottenham were in there. Tottenham, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Ar- Arsenal, none of them have won the European Cup, Champions League, but they were in there. Why were they in there? Because they've got money and they've got yeah. men in the corridors of power yeah. in all these places to back, to back for their cause. They've stole the game, basically. I've stole the game. They've, they've bought it. They've bought it. I without a doubt. I, I made a point last night. Stephen Sloan comes in here to say on YouTube, "Welcome to the show, Stephen." God knows what kind of results we will get in the Champions League next season. I read out the team, and, I, and I'm going to come on to yourself, Jared. I read out the team uh, for Ange Postecoglou's first competitive game at Celtic. It was against Midtjylland. It was a qualifier of Champions League on the 20th of July, just seven months ago, almost to the day. And the team that we, we started with was Barkas, Ralston, Beaton, Welsh, Taylor, Sorrow, McGregor, Christie, Turnbull, Abada and Edward. Um, obviously, when you compare that to last night's team, only three started last night, Taylor, McGregor and Abada. You then look at the bench, just to give the full extent of the situation Andrew was in when he came to Celtic. Bain, Hazard, Griffiths, Ajeti, Rogic, Bolly, Urugidi, Shaw, Murray, Forrest, Henderson and Montgomery. Um, so as disappointing as last night was, and I'm going to come to yourself, Jared, because you came on to tell us or or kind of try and prepare us for what we were going to get with Ange Postecoglou, I, I'm still looking at the situation and thinking we probably are still ahead of where we expected to be under Ange. What do you read into that, Jared? You came on and you basically said we might have a transitional season. Did you expect in February for us to be sitting top of the table? No, I thought <laughs> realistically, if we got to April, I said this at the start, if we got to April and we were within two or three points, then it'd be game on. Mm. But I didn't expect to see us on top at this point. Realistically, I said previously, I think we're three to four months ahead of schedule because we've managed to actually, some of the, the players coming in, the majority of them have actually been hits. Like they've actually been, yep, tick that box, tick that one. That's a good signing. That's a good signing. The next step for us to get that next jump forward, we're talking about, you just said, Paul, there was three guys from the first game that played last night. Mm. And of them, you touched, you said, mentioned him earlier, Taylor. 
I think he's the equivalent of Ralston. Good enough for our league, but we need something better for Europe in the same way we went and signed Juranovic for the right back. Mm-hmm. I've said on our pod a few times that this offseason, I think a key thing is going to be signing a European quality starting left back. That's going to be one of the key things. Yeah. And then it's a matter of, okay, where else do we need to strengthen? I'd like another keeper behind Hart or someone to challenge him. I don't really want – I'm not a fan of Bain or Barkas. So I think that's one of the other areas where we're strengthening. But, yeah, it's like where we're at now. We're ahead of schedule. We're um, There's still improvement. That's the thing. Like there's a whole bunch of things there. Like last night, so many players were off, were off the ball, like out of form. Mm-hmm. We haven't had a game where that front six that we played with last night are all on fire. When that happens, we're going to batter a team. Yeah. We will add, like I've been saying it, I'm just waiting for us to batter a team six, seven, eight. It's going to happen if things click. And it's just a matter of let's get Kyogo back, let's get everyone fit, and let's focus on the league and off we go. So that battering, I still can see it coming, but whether that comes this season or next season, it will happen because that's what Angers teams do. Yeah, and you know, we kind of looked upon that last night because you've had Jota being outstanding, you've had a badder Kyogo, but like you say, all at the same time, O'Reilly and uh, Rogic, we've not seen it all clicking at the same time. When it does, it's uh, a prospect and a half. I'm going to bring in some of the comments coming through. This is on YouTube. And by the way, if you're watching on Facebook, Twitter, Twitch or anywhere else, get your comments in. Uh, more people comment on YouTube, which is why the vast majority of the comments that come up are YouTube comments. It's just a numbers game. There's no favouritism. So if you fire up a, uh, a comment on on Twitch um, or Facebook or Twitter, I'll bring that up as well. Michael Fern, 45 minutes against Rangers doesn't equal a quadruple. I'd rather the wake-up call came in Europe and not the league. Yet yeah, there's someone that agrees with you, Jim Orr. And uh, we've got David Bradley coming in. That was not a good sign last night. Well beaten in all departments. I'm going to come to yourself, Jim, because I agree with that. We were. We were well beaten. And uh, obviously the conversations we've been having this morning leading up to the bulletin in the WhatsApp group, um, we we all realised that we were well beaten. But I made the point, even though we were well beaten, at 2-0 down, you get a tremendous move down the right. It was a well-worked goal. The, the cross in from Juranovic, and I agree with Jared, I think he's a he's a step above as much as I love Ralston. And if we can do that in one or two areas of the park uh, in the summer, then, you know, it's going to enhance the side overall. But the ball in from Juranovic was excellent, and I loved Maeda's probably not going to get too much credit because of the nature of the overall game, but it was an excellent wee finish getting in ahead of the defender. And it's game on at that point. And the point I made this morning in the WhatsApp group is I get that that team were better than us last night. I don't expect us to get through next week, uh, barring an absolutely off-the-scale performance and Bodo Glimt not being at their best. By that point, we're 2-1 down. We give away possession from one of the best um, technicians in the team, I would suggest, in Hatati's passing. Maybe the stats tell you different. I know that some wayward passes have been highlighted, but his passing generally is tremendous. But I think, I don't know what happened with his balance. He's kind of scuffed it. He's given possession away. They're 3-1 up, and it's a completely different ball game at that stage. But I pointed out the two occasions where their goalkeeper 
barring marginal offside decisions, could have been sent off the park for punching Carter Vickers and for bringing down Jota. But obviously it goes back to the original fence, which was the offside. So it's just margins, Jim. So despite the fact that we're sitting here thinking we're well off that, you know, if you get the rub of the green, if you you're maintain that concentration when Atati's got the ball, we're, we're absolutely no risk at all around him and he loses it. And, you know, these marginal offside decisions, I don't think we're as far away as some people are suggesting, particularly online. Totally agree. I mean, the comment that just came up there, a reality check. What does that mean? Who got a reality check last night? I think I think maybe the fans got a reality check that maybe we're not as good as we think we are. But, you know, some of the players didn't play particularly well. Fine, these things happen. You said margins there, Paul. Uh, you know, if you look at the stats, and I thought I was coming on today, so I need to check, check what the stats were last night. We'd be, we do something like over 60% of the ball. We'd, we'd be 16 shots to their seven. So we had twice as many shots as they had. But just not ruthless enough. We had 12 corners and they had no corners. Mm. So you put all that together, it's not the doing that people make out. And their third goal, you know, that could have went anywhere. A wee bit of luck helps. You need a wee bit of luck. And I'm pretty confident. If they hadn't scored the third goal when they scored it, it ended up 2-2, I think, last night. And we'd have went there pretty confident of winning the tie. And I'm relatively confident that we're going to win the tie. So in fact, I'm not bothered about this competition and I don't want players to get injured. So I don't want us to come back for the, and somebody like Joe Hart's been injured or Cameron Carter-Vickers or somebody like that and we think, well, why do we bother doing that? So I don't think mm. we were that far away last night. They were very slick. They looked really good in the ball. They were playing Ange ball, I think. I think Ange must have looked at their players and thought, I like him and I like him because they're doing what other guys are doing. And we had a situation, and, and I noticed it at the game, Ange was going mental last Sunday. You know, a number of times we were passing the ball back. They didn't pass the ball back too much last night. They were going, they were on the front foot all the time. They were looking to get forward. And their first goal was a fantastic goal. <laughs> There's nothing you can do about that. Tremendously uh, good, intricate play. And I didn't realise this so on the TV last night how good a finish it was. You know, so... Mm. I'm not that despondent at all. I thought, uh, given the stats, we weren't that far away last night. Some of the players were a bit off form. You said fine margins. Absolutely fine margins. There's not that much in it. So I'm, I'm not despondent about the performance last night. The players aren't robots. You can't expect them to be at the top of their game all the time. I just think there's been, an, again, another knee-jerk reaction from... Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct-to-consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Certain fans that, that, that think that uh, we're entitled to win every single game we play, but are not entitled to win all these games. And I think moving forward, Angie's done a remarkable job, basically. Uh, 
I alluded to earlier, I think when you look at Joe Hart and Cameron Vickers and Starfield, I'm not so sure in maybe a year and a half time that that's the back three that we have because I'm not so sure they're, they're Ange-type players. And watching that game last night, I thought the guys in the other team, I thought, well, they're, they're kind of, they're, they're goalkeeper, they're two centre-backs. Maybe they're more Ange-type of players. Um, yeah. And that's not to say the guys haven't played well, they played really, really well. But uh, what was the question you asked, Paul? Sorry. <laughs> I, I was talking about fine margins. I, I'm talking fine about... Margins. I totally agree, Paul. Fine margins. Yeah. That's all mm. it was last night. That, that I think if, if they hadn't scored the third goal, the crowd were up for it at that point in time. Uh, we had most of the ball the second half. They hadn't really done very much up to that point. But they were ruthless. And that's where we fall down. We aren't ruthless enough. Mm-hmm. You know, it takes us like 30, 35 attempts at goal to score two goals. And that's the issue. And I think one of the issues I had last night is is Maeda kind of floats about, never looked particularly as if, as if he's going to do anything. Yakimakis does something similar to that. I mean, obviously, it's mm. early days for the two guys. I'm not having a go at them. It's just the fact that compared to Kyogo, it's kind of night and day because Kyogo, you've got a focal point there. I think if you're a defender against him, you're a bit more apprehensive against either Maeda or Yakimakis. So the sooner we, we get the wee guy back, I think that will change the team. And I think something else at Yarid's alluded to there was when everyone's firing in all cylinders we're, we're, we're going to batter some team mm-hmm. and I think we've been a wee bit fortunate this season that individual players have stepped up to the mark when we've needed them yeah Kyogo yep. certainly at times and then when he was out a badder stepped up to the plate you know, that last minute goal against Dundee United and then I think mm-hmm. recently Yota's stepped up to the plate particularly up at Aberdeen you know so I think individual games individual players have kind of stepped up to it and it'd be good if if more than one at a time could kind of come together. And I agree with Yared. I think we'll absolutely hammer some team. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm pretty optimistic as opposed to that old negative guy that people keep talking about. You know? I know you're not negative, Jim. I know that for a fact. Now, Tony, um, last week you were speaking to Matt O'Reilly and I got a comment last night around... One of the things Jim mentioned there, we get so much possession in the final third of the park. We get so many set plays from, mainly from corner kicks. But even now, when Celtic get a a free kick 25 yards out in a game like last night, and you know that it's going into the second leg, and although it might be a consolation on the night, you know, over the tie, it could be an important uh, moment in a game. I don't feel confident that we've got a player who can do something from that position these days. And I think when you look, back, you know, right back we had players who can strike a free kick the 100th Scottish Cup final through Van Hooydonk could strike a free kick and you go through them, Nakamura of course being a, an obvious one and we've got so many tech, technical players, Tony, one of, one of whom you were talking to last week, Matt O'Reilly we've got Tommy, of course we've got Jota but I think that when we've got corners and when we've got free kicks just outside the box, I don't feel like we're a danger and that concerns me a wee bit because we get so many of these opportunities. And I think that um, the onus used to fall on David Turnbull until he got injured. He was taking everything. He was taking the free kicks. He was taking the corner kicks. But I'd never felt, you know, like last night, if we get a, a free kick 25 yards out, that you're going to get Matt O'Reilly stepping up and putting one in the, the top bin. And I think that's an issue because in a game like last night at that level, that could be the difference. Matt O'Reilly, though, is, is the point I'm, I'm bringing up with yourself, Tony, because you asked him a tremendous question last night. I'm going to put this out here, right? Tony Haggerty asked him a question about international football and the fact that he can play for England, Tony, he can play for Denmark. Was, it, was there any other countries? He can and play Norway. for England. And Norway, right. His mum's Danish, I think. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. 
So he spoke passionately about that and the fact that he speaks a language and he feels Danish. He said that. Yeah. Um, two or three nights later, Morton Vicors is at Celtic Park watching Matt O'Reilly. Tony, and I think you're going to be credited with an assist for that if he gets a cap. I'm claiming an assist if he gets a cap. I'll tell you that. I'm claiming an assist, yeah. Or he can, give me, he can give me his first Danish cap. That's what he can do. Oh, nice. Right. So on that point, Matt O'Reilly, we didn't disagree. I thought he had a good first half, but I did think he tapered off a wee bit. You thought he had a good uh, a good performance last night. Is he or anyone else going to be a danger in these areas when we get a set play? Well, it's funny because Jim spoke about a Bodo Glimp. Bodo won the game last night without having any corners. Is that right? We had no corners? Yeah, no corners, yeah. No. Uh, and I, I just thought it was interesting because I actually thought we were watching Ange ball through the looking glass two years down the line, yeah. right? Personally. Jared will back this up because he's watched Ange teams. Bodo Glimp played the way Celtic want to play and are in the throes of trying to play. And, and making the most of their possession. And they looked great when they knocked it at the back, didn't they? Jim's always talking about Celtic players looking very ponderous when it goes back, you know, to Joe Hark, Starfelt, Carter Vickers. But they were like, bump, bump, bump. It was second nature. The man just spoken about, eventually, this will all become second nature. And it's it's a work in progress, basically, becoming second nature. But when you've got guys like Matt O'Reilly on the team, and I spoke to Paul Lambert, in midweek, and he said the great thing about O'Reilly was he's one-touch, two-touch football, and his vision was great. And you can see that already in O'Reilly. But others need to be on the same wavelength, don't they? As Jared's alluding to there, we all they all need to be at the same, you know, singing from the same hymn sheet on the park. And then when that happens, they will batter a team. So Matt O'Reilly is a fine technician. But going back to your original point, Celtic have not been a threat in free kicks and corner kicks long before Ange came. Mm. You know, Alan Morrison would give you the stats and I think it would be startling the amount of goals or lack of goals that Celtic score from free kicks and corner kicks uh, alarmingly since the days of Neil Lennon. You know, and, you, and you don't know who would. Celtic get a free kick 25, 30 yards from goal. Who's hitting it? Who's striking? I think at one point, Tony, we had Stuart Armstrong, Paddy Roberts and probably Musa Dembele. They could take a good, uh, a wicked free kick. But since then, you know, I'm struggling. Maybe, I'm struggling. Maybe, maybe Tom Rodgick, mm. because he hits a, he can hit a good ball, you know, he can hit a good strike. But that apart, there is not many natural takers of, of set pieces, is there? Which is just... Uranovich. possibly, Jim. Yeah, yeah. Right, but two two out of your 11, well, I say two out of your outfield 10, because goalkeepers aren't necessarily known for taking uh, set pieces. But two, I mean, it, it, that's a poor ratio, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. We're missing a Virgil type, Tony. What's that? We're missing a Virgil type, someone who well, is just as confident over the ball, I, but can do the job at the other end. So he's yeah, got both two-way footballer. And, and you missed that when Julian came out the side. Julian was a nuisance at set pieces, just <laughs> by virtue of his height alone, because he's like a basketball player. You know, so you, you throw it into the mixer and big Julian would always contest it. You know, but now Celtic, there, there's no... You don't even see any variation in, in, in set pieces of what they're trying to do, because... And I, and I don't know if... I mean, they must practice them, but 
you know, they're a vital, they're a vital component of football now, set pieces. But at the minute, at this minute, Celtic are sadly lacking in their their goals return. And as I say, Alan Morrison would be would have the stats compiled for that. But I'm sure it would be the figures would be extremely low. Mm. But you know, I, I watched last night, and I'm like Jim. I'm I'm kind of still pretty optimistic about where we're headed. But I watched that team last mm. night, and I was thinking, <clears throat> and I hate the term Ange ball, but we'll use it for this bit. It was Ange ball through the looking glass with people that were comfortable with it, knew exactly their roles. When they got forward, they very rarely ruined it. Mm-hmm. And I know all the stats will say Celtic had more possession and all that, but Bodo Glimt made their possession stats count, didn't they? Yes. I mean, two cracking goals they scored, right? One was, one was pure luck, but the first two that they got were two well-worked goals. You know, uh, got forward, drew, drew Starfelt in, Taylor posted missing the guy, nice finish. And then the second one, the guy just outstrips Taylor down the, down the flank, cuts it in. Uh, Carter Vickers is beat by the cute flick from the guy. You know, Juranovic's nowhere. Guy's got a tap, tap and slots it away. So clinical counter-attacking football in Europe. And that's the bigger picture that Jim sees, you see, I see, Jared sees, that we are building towards. To be that kind of slick outfit where we can... Uh, go into a European competition, no have any corners, but still score three goals. Away from also, home. Yeah, also yeah. Tony, Tony, we're talking about set pieces. If you've got two very small fullbacks, yeah. they're not a threat No, in either end of the pitch. Right. You know, so you have to accept that. So some of the teams you play have got you know, big, tall Most. fullbacks, you know, so they're, they're, they're then a threat. So the fine margins thing works like that, you know. So that's that's why we don't maybe score as many. And I agree with you that since Christopher Julian's been out, he was a major threat. Yeah. Either end of the park. I think Alan Morrison said the stats for that when he played in French football, he was he was the biggest threat going forward, you know. So these are wee bits of the team that we just need to add to. You lost the first derby of the season because of a set piece. Correct. Yeah. And and guys not being able to contest it. You know, <laughs> so it is fine margins, which is why like yourself, I, I'm not going overboard. You know, we we got beat last night. We, we got beat by a tidy, well-drilled, organised, disciplined team who have been building for the best part of two stroke three years. Yeah, yeah. It's not a surprise. And they're playing a style which is very similar to the one that your manager's trying to implement at your own club. So you look at it and you say, can we learn from that? Are there any players there that could make a difference in our team? If there are, you know my thoughts. Go and ask the question. Left back being uh, top of the list. So, if that's a priority, if you're adamant that Greg Taylor, you need a, a, a step up in class from Greg Taylor. We'll, we'll go and do these things. Can are these guys available? Is it possible? Or you know that's the way Ange thinks. Can this guy fit into my team? So yeah, let's see how much we've learned in moving forward. But again, I'll go back to it. And Jim's saying and Jared's saying. The league is everything for Celtic this season. Yeah, it is. Uh, it definitely is, Tony. But I'm going to throw something at Jared. Uh, not physically, because you're too far away, mate. But uh, before I do that, I'm going to bring some comments. And you and Boy Martin, very disappointing last night, but we take it on the chin and move on. Uh, we do have a lot of that kind of uh, vibe uh, coming through in the comments section. Daniel F., 
Welcome, Danielle, to the show. You're watching on YouTube. Well, that was utter garbage last night. Don't mince your words, Daniel. Just say what you mean. Nearly froze to death watching that, mm-hmm. playing Tom Rogic and Taylor was like having two men down. Yeah, they were pretty ineffective last night. And um, we've also got uh, Kookaburra. Uh, Bodo have been drilled to play that way for four years. This is the point you were making, Tony. Celtic for just six months, with some players not even six weeks. We learn, we work, and we improve. I'm going to come to Jared because Jared, I think, knows, in fact, he definitely knows uh, the workings of Ange Postacoglu's mind a wee bit better than us. We're getting used to Ange now. And to, to be fair, I think we're all bought into Ange Postacoglu on a Celtic state of mind. But Jared, you came in in the early days and you spoke about him. I'm looking at this scenario. And next week, and going for a trick away tie on a plastic pitch, and we know all the uh, all the the challenges that we're going to face next week. However, I still get the feeling that Ange Postecoglou believes he can win this tie. So, having said everything that we've said, and we were off it last night, I still believe from what I've seen and from what I've heard in these press conferences, which I've been very impressed by, and looking dipping into his history as well. Jared, this is a guy who obviously one of his mentors was Ferenc Puskas, who as a manager took Panathinaikos to the European Cup final. That shouldn't have happened. You look at the history um, of that club, they shouldn't be in the European Cup final uh, in 1971. Of course, they lost it. But uh, just to get there was an incredible achievement. And these people believe they can do these things. Like what Anne said, if he's playing in the World Cup final for Australia, he thinks he can win it. I truly believe he's, he's still of the the state of mind next week that he can go out there and get a result. You know, am I right in saying that? Do you think that's the kind of confidence he'll have in his and his team's ability? Absolutely. He'll be, his mindset will be, it's it's so cliche, it's half time. He would, the way he coaches his teams, I've seen him coach over in the Asian Champions League before with Australian teams. And yeah, there was one time when he was at Brisbane, his team had a draw here and he went over and they won like three or four nil away. So the way he looks at it is, we're going to go there, we're going to play our football, and we're going to do it better than we did it last time. It's only half time, and off we go. So I think he won't be doubting it at all. He'll be going there to have a fending and crack at it, and mm-hmm. may the best team win. Something you said before, Tony, that I just wanted to quickly go back to. You know, you're saying it's like looking in the looking glass. Mm-hmm. I think they suck at us in with our press, in terms of, you know how you're saying how comfortable they their back line was passing the ball across. Mm-hmm. They will get going out to the corners. We're sending two guys to press, and then it's really direct. One, two passes, bang, they're through, and there's no one in the midfield. So that, yes, his teams will start doing that in a couple of years' time as well. But, yeah, that was a spot-on assessment there. But with the corners, the other thing I wanted to quickly say about that before I've done with my rant is while we have so many corners and then bring centre-backs up and then make a short ball, short pass, not even put a cross mm-hmm. in. Like, that's yeah. silly. But, yeah. oh, well. I just wanted to touch on that because of what's in my head. (laughs) No, it's true though. I mean, you look at what is our aerial threat at this moment in time from a corner kick. And if it's in the box and it's taking um, them out of position, Jared, then play the ball in. And I know that there's going to be stat guys and girls um, saying, well, you only get a goal. I think it's in 4%, not directly from a corner, but from the corner being the assist, you only score a goal. 4% 4% of the time so you're better just to get the ball back and play well if that's the case don't bring the big defenders up 
because you're not really wanting them out of position. Um, a few more comments coming in, mainly from YouTube. If you're watching on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitch, Twitter, make your comments and we'll bring them up. 67, lovely avatar. Performance concerning, but the title is the most important. Wouldn't care about going out to the Conference League. So there's another kind of view of this Conference League is that people are losing a bit of interest in it. Um, what was the Intertotal Cup? Remember the Intertotal Cup, Tony? That was a bit of a nondescript European tournament, was it not? Patrick Thistle were the ones that <laughs> represented Scotland the first time, didn't they? And I think they, they did. there was never actually a, a trophy given for that. You, If you won the final, because there were about three or four different finals of the Intertoto, if you won the final, you got into Europe on the back of it, like right. the UEFA Cup. Uh, was it a fair play thing? Did you get into it for fair play or something, was it? Along Best those ball lines. boys, yeah. That? Best ball boys, aye. The oh, ones that don't interfere with the goalies, yep. Mid-table teams, Tony. And I think back the first time, I think it was 94, Patrick Thistle ended up playing Mets. Brilliant. And uh, yeah, and I think that's why they, they got in, because I think they were like finished 6th or 7th in the the Scottish Premier Division, and I think they were asked, did they want to send a representative? And Patrick said, yeah. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas. Visit cox.com internet for details. This week on the Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct to consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. So it was a step up from the 10 and 60s, Kenny, on a European level. Jared, if you think that the UEFA Cup was obscure... Check it out, Intertotal Cup. West Ham won the Intertotal one year, I'm, I'm, I believe. Was it, was it a step up in the Petrofet Cup? <laughs> Just slightly. They use the trophy as a doorstop, I think, doing it Upton yeah. Park or wherever they play their games these days. Um, I'm going to bring up a few more of uh, these comments. Joe Porter, welcome back, Joe. That side could win the entire competition. I made that point today. Let's not forget. That's a decent side. I think they could pretty they could do pretty well. No shame in losing to the better team on the night. The rot in Europe is worrying though because we have been poor for years, especially in the knockout rounds. I said yesterday um, when Natasha and I were on and we were all feeling nice and positive going into the game, as you do at 12.30 in the afternoon, that it's the first time for a while, Jim, that we've had a manager who is focused on making that progress in Europe, who actually believes that we can do something in Europe. And if I look back through my Celtic support in life, back in the day, like you know, Jim, back in the kind of 80s, late 80s, early 90s, we were nowhere near being a European side and you were lucky to get one or two rounds. You never thought about really progressing. And then you move into even, you know, Vim Janssen, Joseph Wenglos, John Barnes territory. There was no real aspirations. When O'Neill comes in though, there seems to be a focus and, and that a belief starts to come into play that we could do something. I think the, the next manager I had that belief in, despite the fact that Strachan and Lennon done well, 
I felt that uh, Brennan Rodgers could have built something and he failed to do so. Strachan took me by surprise, Lennon took me by surprise. But the way that Ange Postecoglou is approaching this, he believes that we can do something in Europe. Now, you already think, Jim, that Champions League is beyond our capabilities and I don't disagree with that. So where are we then? Are we happy to bounce out a tournament or two to try and do something, whatever the definition of that is? Because Ange wants to do something in Europe. It's a good question. Uh, I hadn't realised it that they play in a plastic pitch <laughs> that you mentioned earlier. So that's another another fact. Uh, see, in terms of last night, I thought they played really well. Do you think they'll play as well next week? I thought we played really poorly. You think we'll play as, as, as poor next week? So mm-hmm. I don't think we're out of this by any manner of means. I think we scored the first goal and it's game on. So I don't think that's a big issue for this particular uh, tie that we have. Uh, the comment come up, this team could go on and win it. Yeah, they could go on and win it. Uh, they're not one of the major powers, you know, and as uh, uh, I think fans, you know, because we didn't know much about them, I think there was an expectation by a lot of people, a lot of fans, and maybe the media as well, that we're just going to turn up and win the game last night. Uh, and yes, they were a good team. In terms of how we move forward, I think you're right, until O'Neill pushed us into, into, the, into the Champions League and then got us to the UEFA Cup final, I think it was a kind of mindset that we're never going to do anything in Europe is beyond us. And I think the whole Seville experience gave us all a taste for it. Do you think no, there's, there's no reason why we can't? And Gordon Strachan worked wonders. You know, you, you don't have to have 11 fantastic players to do well. I mean, you looked at the teams that Gordon Strachan had. I remember the back yeah. four was it Old Telford and Colwell and McManus and Naylor, was it? Was that, so you're thinking, you know, not, not one of the greatest of our Celtic teams, but to qualify for the Champions League eh, knockout stages twice. Mm-hmm. So if you're the right manager, and I think we all agree, we think Ange is the right manager. Uh, that we have, and you have to look at what he's achieved so far, not one night. And that was the bit that got me, but certainly looking at social media this morning, Twitter, you know, he's got no plan B, he's this, that and the other. Early days for the big chap. Uh, I think he's absolutely right. I mean, any any football manager worth his soul, if you're in it, you're in it to win it. Absolutely. But I think there's levels that we're looking at and things are getting in the way a wee bit. And I think what's been just to follow what Jared said earlier about us being two or three months ahead of schedule, you know, we go top of the league with only 14 games to go. Brilliant timing. We then negotiate two pretty tricky away games, 12 mm-hmm. to go, 12 mm-hmm. cup finals. I've said, every time on the podcast, for the last maybe two or three months, what an exciting league. How exciting is this league? You know, this is going to go down to the wire, I mm-hmm. think. And that's where goal difference comes in again. You know, that lack of ruthlessness comes in again. You know, uh, I think they think I was on a fortnight ago in the game after it was Motherwell, three up at half time. You're thinking, like, go on, five, six, seven, batter this team. And we score one kind of fluky goal. And then the game for is on after that, they won up with 25 minutes to go. Bang, 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 five, nothing. Now, that could be vital come the end of the season. We have to get that ruthless streak and we have to score goals from set pieces, etc. But sorry, I'm off at a tangent here. In terms of Europe, uh, there's no reason why we can't do well in Europe. I'm just building a team here. He needs a few more players. He needs players with maybe different qualities or maybe different mindsets. And as long as the fans are patient, I think things will work out okay. Uh, what that level is, I've got no idea. If we get to qualify for the Champions League because of the cachet uh, mm. that you get, and you never know, you may get a year with maybe one of the bigger teams is a wee bit off the boil when you manage to scrape that second place. Uh, so, yeah, I'm fairly confident moving forward. But my, my, my big concern is the knee-jerk reaction of lots of fans. If we don't win this league, Angie's a dud. 
all of a sudden. And he's not a dud. He's actually building towards that. And I don't think we can we can comment game on game. And one of the good things about me being on once a fortnight, now, there's usually three or four games mm-hmm. to look at. You don't have to kind of gut react to say, well, oh, that Wraith performance was, was awful or this or, or that. Uh, the big man's going in the right direction. And I think the vast majority of fans are right behind him. And, and, and Jared has forecast what was going to happen. And we were all, I think we're all pretty cynical, very cynical at the start, because we hadn't heard of the guy before. And if he was such a such a great manager, why hasn't he achieved more than he's achieved? But certainly, uh, he's done everything right. And he's a fantastic person, first and foremost. I think that's the thing that's that's came across, that every time he talks, he's, he's well worth listening to. He's somebody you could listen to all day. And he says the right things all the time. Mm-hmm. And he's never caught out. And you can see people trying to lay trap for him and he just bats them away. And then he says, mate. Uh, so long may that continue. <laughs> Jim, remind me, um, when is it you're comfortable at a football game? Is it 3 nothing or 4 nothing? 3, because basically up to 2, you're in the endurance section. Because you know that if they score, you're going to hit the panic button. Once the 3 goes in, you then transfer to the enjoyment section and you can sit back and relax because uh, they're not going to get 3 goals back. But I, and, and why are we like that? Because there's a 35, 40 million pound bounty up for grabs, and only one team's going to get it. As I said at the start, this is this is the future. Mm. Every season's going to be like this, and it'll be like, well, we'd like to do well in Europe, but the league is the most important thing. Whereas, if there was two guaranteed places, you could then take risks. You could then play younger players. You could then experiment mm. because you're guaranteed a place at the top table. And it's because, as we said at the very start of the podcast, football's driven by money. You know, it's too much money to risk things. And I'm quite a, a kind of risk-averse person with certain games. You know, last season we had the whole season of, uh, it was all about trying to do the 10. You know, and I, and I said last season, forget the Europa League, you know, send over you know, the kind of fringe players. You know, yeah. and we sent, I, I, I don't know where Eddie caught COVID when he was over there. Whatever, but we ended up losing players because we played the Europa League. I, my, 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 my wish for next Thursday is nobody comes back injured. And nobody comes back with COVID. And if we win the game, great. And if we don't, know that first. Well, Jim's talking about this bounty, Tony. And obviously it's in the forefront of your mind because there's a massive swing. Because, you know, Celtic win that that, that league and you have access to those kinds of funds. Not only does it benefit Celtic, it weakens Rangers. Simple as that. So it's what they used to call in a day a six-pointer. Eh? You know, you, you're getting a double dunt. Um, and I look at the Champions League and I look at the prestige of that and trying to come away from it all being about money. And I ask the question about players like Cameron Carter, Vickers and Jota. Um, how big a factor is that in them staying at Celtic? Or am I just being an old football romantic and it all comes down to their wages and the offer that they get at the end of the day? Surely the Champions League football also benefits us in trying to attract players to stay at the club and attract new players to come to the club. Of course it does. I think everything hinges on Celtic winning the title for, for those guys uh, to stay at the club. Uh, yep, they could be personally happy, but would more, <laughs> money, would more money make them happier? Probably. So they know that they're not going to be short of offers uh, come the end of the campaign if the deals can't be concluded with Celtic but I think the Champions League is a massive carrot which is why it's so important mm-hmm. for Celtic to, to win the title this season uh, but I'd also like to see Ange given money what he would do with some real dough and that's that's real real cash and I think he would invest it wisely he's invested the, the money that he spent 
wisely so far. But he's brought in guys that can make a difference to the team prudently. But if you had, you know, if your financial parameters were expanded a bit, you know, what would he what would he do? Uh, and I'd like to see him maybe being given a wee treasure chest, as they call it, a war chest. Is that what they call it? A war chest is the old kind of uh, media expression. But because I think he would bring quality to the club, enhance the quality that's already there. Uh, but I think it's paramount that Celtic qualify for the Champions League if we want to keep the likes of Jota and Cameron Carter Vickers. As I say, I think they're pe- they're both personally happy. Mm. But, uh, you know, in personal happiness does come into it sometimes. But footballers, modern-day footballers, they want to make hay while the sun shines, don't they? They do, they do, Tony. And I just think there's been a few sadly, examples. Yeah, sadly. And that's why Celtic could end up losing out on them. Mm. But I would like to think that they might trust the manager, trust the process, trust where Celtic are going. And might want to stay for the, I've called it before, a magic carpet ride under Ange. Because Celtic are building something. You know, it's tangible. You can see it. So I just think they'll get better. And I agree with Jim. The right man's at the helm. And you have to sort of trust him. And if you trust him, then, you know, we will get better. Well, I certainly do trust in Ange Postacoglu. It's going to be interesting to look back on some of the early Axon podcasts following his appointment, and we will definitely do that because I think it is interesting. You you see it as you see it at the time. It's the old catchphrase, isn't it? Um, But I think, you know, Jared did come on. He was very positive about Ange Postacoglu. One final word from yourself, Jared. Could you fill us in on what this has done for the profile of, of Celtic? Uh, over in Australia. I mean, we've been doing all our, our research and digging up the old South Melbourne footage and seeing Ange playing under Puskas and all that kind of stuff, and it's tremendous. Um, what's it done for Celtic over in Australia? We've seen it. You know, our viewers are now 10% from Australia, and I thank every single one of them for, for tuning in, by the way. Um, but, yeah, what, what's the impact been for you guys over there? It's been different. Like, it's... Actually, a lot easier to follow Celtic now than it was when I first started back in the 90s and everything. But, yeah, it's like seeing a massive thing now because you've got like there's a thing over here, keepup.com, and they do the um, all the articles for the A-League and that, and there's any time Celtic play, there's an article on Celtic now. You get thing on all the other three or four other main sports channels over here doing the same deal. So it's actually a lot easier to find out information and see results and get stories and then you're seeing it in our papers as well. And I'm like, you don't normally, we don't normally get that over here very often. So yeah, it's good fun though. No, absolutely. And only our journos actually knew what they were talking about though. That'd be a good start. <laughs> <laughs> you need to keep them right. And you'll be appearing on a Celtic state of mind uh, once a month regularly throughout the season and beyond. Um, you may have noticed a nice wee graphic in the top right of the screen. Who knows wins are our new sponsor. The link to their app is in the description field. Why do we need a sponsor? Well, we keep everything free at Celtic state of mind. We don't charge anything for any of the content that we're working on, uh, but we do have some sponsorship and merchandise. What is it? Well, 
will check the app out, unlike accumulators. You don't need to get every prediction correct here. You just need to get more right predictions than anyone else within the group to win the top spot and biggest prizes. But bragging rights between you and your mates and you win real money. Uh, you play against your mates predicting fixtures in private leagues or against the bigger community in the public leagues. You've got to be 18 or over and please gamble responsibly. They are our new sponsors. You'll be hearing far more from them as we move forward. If we have to make a prediction for Sunday, um, I'm going to ask that. I think we're going to win comfortably. I think Dundee have uh, thrown a wee cat amongst the pigeons by getting rid of their gaffer and bringing in Mark McGee. It seems to have gone down like a lead balloon. Uh, Tony, I've got fond memories of Mark McGee as a Celtic player, but um, he seems to not only divide opinion, but it's completely, um, you know, it's gone down, as I say, like a lead zeppelin up uh, in Tayside. How do you think Celtic will do on Sunday? I think they'll win. I think Andrew will get a positive reaction. I mean, bottom line is he needs a positive reaction, doesn't he? Mm. You cannot have any kind of Euro hangover or whatever they want to call it. Uh, mm. Celtic need to be <clears throat> at the top of their game on, on Sunday. End of. A win. Just got to win. Got but to win. Yep. Jim says, you've got to be more ruthless. Well, I'm going to come to Jim. Is Jim going to have that moment in the game, Tony, where he feels comfortable, we can get a poke chips and put the feet up? Are we going to get to 3 nothing, Jim? Or is it going to be a wee bit tighter than that? Well, I think we'll get to 3 nothing. yeah. I mean, uh, Dundee are down at the bottom of the league. I mean, they've got a bit of a dogfight on with Rose County. Uh, they beat Hearts at Tynecastle in the last game. So, you know, notwithstanding, and obviously, maybe the new manager bounced, etc. So, but... We get better players individually and collectively. So if we have any designs of winning the league, then then obviously we win on Sunday. And yeah, I'd like to see us be a, a lot more ruthless. We need to start taking our chances and hopefully, as Jared says, maybe we start battling teams and we start that on Sunday. Yeah, Jared, same with yourself. Do you think that um, you know there is a wee uh, point to prove? There's been some criticism after last night. We'll come out all all um, guns firing on Sunday. We have to. It's was 12 games left. Can't afford to drop any points at all. So, yeah, I said on our pod during the week, it'll be 3 0. So, I'll keep that going. But if it's more, happy days. I'll check 3 0. If you've been tuning in, thank you very much. We've been uh, going out to about 1,000 live uh, today, which is really greatly appreciated. We've got a thank you video down at St. Mary's for the charity weekender that we ran, raising an incredible. Um, nigh on 29 grand Celtic fans got together got the cash and we went into the chapel yesterday and the heating was on and they were in brilliant spirits and that's all down to you and your generosity so thank you very much for that we'll be sharing a video on the channel over the next week or so so thanks everybody for supporting Axom constantly thanks for getting involved in the comments section and thanks everybody for joining me on a Celtic Stay tonight Guys, got hair loss? I know what you're thinking. Should I shave my head, comb it over, wear a hat? 
Just stop. This is in 1970. Keep your hair and your confidence because Bosley, America's number one hair restoration experts, can give you your real hair back permanently. Check them out today because they're giving away an absolutely free information kit and a free gift card to anyone that texts EASY to 203203. Dude, you don't have to look like your dad because this isn't your dad's hair loss treatment. People all over the country trust Bosley because they're ahead of the curve. They use the latest technology to give you your real hair back. And the best part? Bosley's permanent solution is protected by the Bosley Guarantee. Let Bosley show you for free how awesome your hair could look with an absolutely free information kit and a gift card for $250 off. Text EASY to 203203. That's E-A-S-Y to 203203. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet but if their internet comes from a cell phone network you should know it's just phone internet not home internet keep your home up to speed with cox cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5g home internet cox is the real home internet you're looking for Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas visit cox.com internet for details Sports Social Podcast Network. When did life start getting so complicated? Buying a home? Complicated. Home finances? Certainly not a walk in the park. Raising kids? Yeah, it's a lot. Then there's insurance. What if my policy doesn't cover this? Or what if I make a claim in the middle of the night? Good news. State Farm is there for your what ifs. So even if life gets tricky, insurance doesn't have to be. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for your quote today. Sports Social Podcast Network. At Discount Tire, we know your time is valuable. Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online. Did you know Discount Tire now sells wiper blades? Check out our current deals at discounttire.com or stop in and talk to an associate today. Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network.